0: Hello and welcome to Popular Podagogy. I am your host, Nathan Chaney. This podcast is brought to you by Queen's University Faculty of Education. Uh, We are fortunate enough to be joined today by Carolyn Reed. Uh, Caroline, how are you doing today? Good, thanks. Uh, So you just finished your B.Ed. program, so what were some of the highlights of that? And maybe tell us what the most interesting thing that you learned during that time.
1: Uh, I think the highlight, well, for most of us, would probably be placements. Uh, It was so nice to get into the classroom for the majority of the time, especially because that's where you're going to do a lot of your learning with students. Um, It's also really hard once you get back to the classroom trying to not just do all those practical things again. You're learning about all the things you could do, and you just want to get back into the classroom and start doing them. So those placements were really great. Uh, My placement in particular, I did my all-prac at the NCTR in Winnipeg, so that was a particular highlight for me.
0: And so can you tell us a little bit more about the experience that you had at the NCTR and what you were doing there?
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm a student in the ATEP program, which is the Aboriginal Teaching uh, Education Program. And so our all pracs are meant to be anything related to that field. So I went out there. It was really great. I worked under uh, Kevin Lamaru, who's the National Education Lead. He actually came down to Queens and did a keynote, so a lot of people caught that. And um, I worked mostly on their Imagine a Canada campaign, which is a great campaign that spans from kindergarten to post-secondary, uh, which collects all kinds of artwork or any really pieces uh, to talk about reconciliation.
0: And how did, can teachers use that Imagine a Canada resource in their classrooms?
1: There's so many ways. So um, I, we're really hoping next year we can get a bit of a gallery going. That would be a really great... I'm working right now with um, Queen's on creating that uh, because really the best way to get it going in your classroom is just to go onto the website, look up all the resources, there's so many resources, and just start talking about reconciliation in the classroom. Orange Shirt Day is a great platform to start and just start thinking about how students want to express themselves. It's definitely a topic that can span throughout the year. It's not like a unit that you just get done, move on, and then do Imagine Canada. It's, uh, Aboriginal education is integrated through every subject all year round, and that's the best way to include it for sure. And just Imagine Canada can be one aspect of that, definitely. And I think it also really brings kids together because they're all actually submitting their pieces. Like The process of doing that becomes really a global community because everyone's sort of bringing, coming together and doing it all in a similar way which is really interesting
0: so this is a obviously a very hot topic in education right now and it will continue to be as as we move forward so um, for some of the people that might still be a little bit skeptical about integrating first nations metis and inuit studies into their curriculum and education uh, what are some of the benefits and what are some of the reasons that we should be doing this
1: so I usually, when answering this question, think about myself personally. Yeah. I was 18 years old and had received absolutely no education. On uh, I had no idea uh, what Aboriginal meant. I had no idea. I went to Trent University, and sort of my world blew apart. They taught me so much, and I got very frustrated that I had not yet learned it and I sort of lost this sense of Canadian identity very quickly and didn't really understand who I was in my own country and what that meant and so I'm personally I realized the importance of education then you get in with these students and I being with the students made me so hopeful because I had grade threes that had a very well like grasped understanding of all the issues and that made me really really happy and also I think it comes down to I think it comes down to a hot topic so often because there's a lot of I guess issues for lack of a better word there's a lot of um, sort of dark history there's a lot of touchy subjects you can get into very big concepts for little kids and what I learned in the ATEP program is Instead of looking at it that way, just look at it as sharing a culture with anyone else. So just, you know, you wouldn't hesitate to ever bring in, you know, how many classrooms do the things where they celebrate like different holidays at months of the year to consider like global holidays, like people want to explore other cultures. So I think because it has such a dark, dark history, and obviously that needs to be explored at one point, teachers shy away from it. But really, it just comes down to sharing a culture.
0: Yeah, I remember when I was in uh, high school and the first time I had learned about residential schools and, and the impact that that had had, and it was actually um, one of the first inquiry-based classrooms. uh And yeah. it was a, social, or a history classroom at the time. And I remember I was doing independent research on this, and I was looking into it, and I didn't actually believe that it was a part of Canada. I was so surprised to actually see it. Yeah. And um, even now when I go to uh, workshops or conferences or things where – uh, we're touching on um, Aboriginal education and residential schooling and everything that had happened in the process of moving towards reconciliation, you can still see that same feeling that I had on my face when I was in uh, grade 10 and 11 when I was looking into these, these subjects on people who are 50 and 60 years old and just didn't understand that this was even going on within their lifetime. And so sure. um, I think it's a really interesting subject to continue to to um approach and and to explore and to to integrate into our curriculum that way.
1: Yeah. And um, I think um one thing that's really important too is that teachers can only teach what they are Like, taught to teach. Right. And so, you know, I think it's a very unreal expectation to send teachers out to do this incredibly well done, integrated Indigenous education that is appropriate and culturally relevant and You know, making sure it's in keeping with all traditions and making sure they're following all the guidelines they should without giving them that education. So, I get personally very frustrated when I'm in the ATEP program, so I feel I got that education, but there were only about 20 of us. And so, I get really frustrated when I hear my, you know, some of my teacher friends getting hammered down because they're not including it. And I was like, well, how are, you know, they aren't required to take anything that's teaching them how to do that. Right. So, they really need to make sure. And I think Queens is doing a really great job with the ATEP program, but the reality is, is, you are only, you know, we're not just expected to go teach math without being taught how to teach math. Right. So it's something that needs to be taught to teacher candidates.
0: So how do you think, like, how would you propose if you're already a teacher that you would go and, um, get this knowledge? Because a lot of teachers that are already out there are having to all of a sudden, uh, and, and not all of a sudden, we knew this was, was on it on Mm -hmm. the way down the pipeline, but, uh, integrating it into the curriculum is a a huge push in education. So how do you expect those teachers to do it now?
1: I would say both like professional development on a group and personal level. So I've seen some incredible professional development when they bring in speakers, elders, uh, knowledge keepers, and they share that with teachers. And that's a really, I think, an amazing use of a professional development day. I think we've all seen those days be used really, really well and not. And I think that's a really great way to use them. Um, And then I would say just personally, you know, take the time if you're, i think i kind of compare it to if you're a teacher and you get a new grade the first thing you're going to go out and do is look at all the ways that you can teach that grade in math or in english and you you find the resources and the resources are out there for indigenous education so you know go to the nctr list and you can look at it by age you can really find anything you want um people i have never once asked the help of an indigenous leader or an indigenous peer and ask for their help and not been wel- welcomed with like open arms and try to help me with any way I could. So, you know, network, meet, like reach out to your colleagues. I mean, we always said in the H I program, there's 20 of us. So there's probably one of us in each section that could help one of our colleagues. And that was something we all tried to do all the time. So I just think the answer really is try. If you can go out and try, you can do it.
0: Okay. Now, one of the things that um, can be a challenge for these teachers is the fact that this is a very sensitive subject, and Mm -hmm. it is very difficult, especially if you have um, students in your class or individuals that this has touched upon, and I think that brings up a lot of fear in teachers because they don't want to make it so that it's not a welcome and inclusive environment for everybody and that it it is a very sensitive subject to touch upon, and I know that when I was teaching, this was a big debate in our school. Because we had a lot of teachers who didn't want to talk about reconciliation or integrate First Nations um, information into um, the younger grades because they were worried that it would be too graphic and too um, difficult on them. And and I was of the mind where I thought that there was a way that you could teach it, but teach it in a way that is still respectful and and, um, dignified isn't the word, but using... An age-appropriate level yeah. of, of of knowledge in there. So, how would you kind of wade through that with teachers to make it so that they were um, able to teach it throughout all grades, so that their their understanding is is uh, done throughout the school, and they're not in my position where they're not learning about it until they're sixteen or seventeen years old.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the ATAP program, Lindsay, our professor there, she's incredible, and she just showed us so many resources. So, when you're talking about really young kids, yeah. there's some amazing, you know, storybooks written that start to just get into the concept. So, I mean, the part, is, the reality is, yes, it's a very dark history, and there's always going to be that sort of hanging over the teacher's head in terms of that potentially might come up. So, the first thing I would say is, when getting into this, you need to maybe make sure, like, kind of check your classroom community, make sure right. you have open dialogue, dialogue with your students, the parents, guardians, make sure that everyone around. Um, I also think one of my personal tactics is, if you can, bring in an elder. So if something comes up or you have a student who's feeling particularly triggered, they have someone else in the room to turn to because, you know, you can't obviously leave all your students, you know, behind to go help a student. So if you have that sort of extra pair of hands in your classroom. And then I think the other thing to always remember is that when dealing with residential school you're you're going to let out the information that's appropriate to the le- the grade level of the students you're with so you know we talk a lot about reconciliation and people then obviously you need to know the history to reconcile but also you can put this sort of with imagine in canada for example you can put sort of this Idea in their heads that yes, we have this history, but also how are we moving forward? What is the what is the takeaway? What is the right. positive? How are you going to take this history, and you're going to move it into reconciliation, which is actually a very reconciliation is incredibly powerful yeah. and positive and really amazing thing. And it's something I learned in SDR. It's it's a gift that Indigenous people have given us to take this time and you know use it and find a way to heal our Our history, and so I think when you consider it in that sort of grand and beautiful thing that it is, you can make it a a very accessible thing in your classroom, and you just need to keep everything, like you know, age appropriate for lack of a better word. You know, you're going to release the information that you feel is appropriate for the classroom you have, and you also just need to know your classroom if you you know every i'm de- every demographic's going to be different and take that information differently so you just really need to know your students
0: okay uh, we're going to transition a little bit here um, so you just you've just graduated from your your BEd program i have and you are uh, moving to Sweden to teach over uh, teach internationally so can you take us a little bit through about how you made that decision and why you decided to go overseas
1: yeah so uh, i think I was sort of toying with going right into a master's, and I decided I need to not be a student for a little bit (laughs) and dig a mine. Which is a reasonable
0: feeling after a certain amount of schooling, (laughs) it gets to that point for sure. Yeah,
1: so I decided to teach, and um, because I didn't know where in Canada I wanted to end up, and I didn't know, you know, I really want to work in the field of Indigenous education, so I didn't know where that was going to take me right away. and I decided just to take a little bit of time and I thought, well, I'll go abroad then because there's really no point in me setting up shop somewhere in Canada and starting to build seniority when right. I didn't have any idea what I want that to look like. So I decided to go abroad. I did do TORF. Um, I actually, it's funny though, I ended up with the Sweden. Uh, For
0: people out there that don't know who tor- what TORF is, can you just give a yeah, little Yeah, so of it's a
1: teaching overseas recruitment fair. It happens, I think it was January. Yeah. And uh, it's, amazing. It's so efficient and well run. Like it's the most streamlined process I've ever seen to get a job. Uh, But I actually, and I got a few offers from there, but I actually um, went back and accepted an offer from uh, the school board in Sweden that actually came to the options career fair, which happens earlier in the year that Queen's also runs. And uh, so that's where I came across uh, them, and that's how I accepted it.
0: And why did you decide on Sweden? What was the reasoning behind that?
1: So I was sort of torn about where in the world I wanted to go, but I ended up deciding on Europe because I have previously lived in Europe, and I knew that that was something I would be able to handle. I didn't want to... You know, be that person that returns at Christmas or something because right. I couldn't quite handle the the culture switch. So I uh, knew I could do that, and Sweden was a great offer. And it's a it's actually known to be one of the best education systems, yep. healthcare systems in the world. And uh, so I thought, why not start start at the best? <laughs>
0: yeah. And are you doing anything to prepare for your experience over there? Or?
1: Yeah, so I'm teaching math, which is. Uh, obviously, when you're primary junior, you're like specialized in all areas, right. uh, but I didn't have like, a particular math background, so I've been working a lot on we use a system called Singapore Math, which is becoming very widely used it's manipulative based yep. and uh, very inquiry based and uh, so I've been kind of trying to do the best I can in getting familiar with that. They're actually sending me to a course once I'm in Sweden, so okay. that will be a little bit easier once I'm there but and then just, you know, obviously the personal, getting together, finding a place and, you know, figuring out how I'm going to bank and how I'm going to do, you know, everything I need to do in my life. So just little things. And
0: have you been reviewing the Swedish curriculum and identifying the ways that it's similar and different and how you're going to prepare resources for that? Or?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It's not, it's so funny how every place, you know, you're expected to sort of go in and find like Swedish curriculum or for the area, just the way we do here. It yeah. is a little different because... Um, they run their schools in a pe- like so different from each other. So I'm in a, what's called an IES. It's the, the board there and it's an international school that's a public option. And so they run their schooling completely differently than, say, another p- public option. So it's not as, uh, cut and dry as just finding, you know, the Ontario curriculum. Uh, So actually, the easiest way for me to review it has been to use that Singapore math because it's in many ways their math curriculum. Um, So yeah, that's actually been sort of my guidelines, which is nice because it's so universal.
0: And one of the benefits of uh, teaching internationally is that you actually get to see a little bit more of the world and do a little bit more. So um, what, what are some of your goals outside of teaching that you would hope to achieve being international that way?
1: So my my main goal is just deciding, first of all, like I'm I'm definitely a teacher right now that's a little torn if I'm going to spend 35 years in the classroom, like that's sort of where I'm at. So my main goal is just to get into a classroom and decide if I love it or not. I've loved it up until this point, being in placements, but um, there's so much I want to do and I'm not sure it's always going to be in the classroom. I think there's so many amazing ways to use an education degree and that's something that I've sort of learned this year at Queen's. And so my first goal is just to make sure I love the classroom and that's what I want to do. Yeah. Um, and then outside of that, I just, I like the idea of seeing how, you know, a different system works. I like the idea of, like, already, right off the bat, they have this different form with parents, um, that you get a cohort of like 15 students. And even though you don't teach them all subjects, if a parent wants to sort of hear about how they're doing, their students doing English, they actually contact me. I go to their English teacher and then I report back. So you build this incredibly strong relationship with, uh, the parents and, and your students. And that's a very different model in here. So then maybe when I get back, I'll really value the, you know, the relationship I build within my classroom community. So just right. sort of checking like I've been in the Ontario school system my whole life, yeah. done all my placements in the Ontario school system. And then if I went off and taught, you know, that's a very uh closing way, even I was surprised to see the difference when I was in Winnipeg um between like Manitoba schools and here. So I just love that idea, education obviously is so universal, but it's also so different. So right. I really want to see those differences.
0: Well, I can relate to that on two levels, because one, I I was in the Ontario education system, did my te- my uh, teacher's college or my Bachelor of Education here, and then went to Alberta and had a, com- even though it was within Canada, it was a complete culture shock yeah. in the way that I had to learn an, an entirely new curriculum. I had uh, students who had different Uh, experiences throughout their education system the entire way up. And then uh, similar to what you talked about earlier, you're finding a place, you're figuring out how you're going to get all your stuff there, you're trying to identify what you need to do when you get there. And so it's it's a big uh, transition, especially as a first year teacher, when you're trying to also figure out what it is to be a teacher and what to do. Uh, But it it comes pretty naturally. And you'll realize that you know, the first few months will somehow fly by, but also go really slowly at <laughs> yeah. the exact same time. Um, and then also I, I obviously am no longer teaching and I had the experience in the classroom and I love teaching. So similar to what you said, but there are a lot of things uh, for what you can do with an education degree. And I, I guess I would say that I'm a testament to that as well because I'm now doing different things for the Faculty of Education and that's interesting. And I know there's... Um, it, a lot of a lot of different ways that you can um use your education degree and I see that all the time when I'm uh meeting people at conferences and doing other other things uh, and seeing people who have created educational apps or resources or companies and um it's it's a really interesting way of looking at the education field in a different light and so I think that's a really good perspective that you have on that already um Well, I wish you luck uh, internationally there. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with our classroom confession. Are you an occasional teacher looking to improve your job prospects? Are you an experienced teacher trying to reach the next pay scale? Are you interested in improving your overall teaching practice? Queen's Continuing Teacher Education has you covered With easy-to-access online courses, you can log on to your course from anywhere you have access to the Internet. Courses offered by CTE range from special education to technological education to safe and accepting schools. CTE courses work with your schedule, have supportive, expert instructors that want to help you succeed. Registration is fast and easy with no commitment to pay until the Friday before the course starts. What are you waiting for? Visit coursesforteachers.ca for more information or to sign up today. That's coursesforteachers.ca. And welcome back to Popular Podagogy. Uh, We are now in our favorite segment, which is the classroom confession segment. Uh, For those of you that are tuning in for the first time, this is an opportunity for teachers to tell a story that is either something that happened to them while teaching or something that happened to them as a student or something that happened with their students uh, that is funny um, and uh, other teachers can relate to so that... We all recognize that funny things happen in the classroom and uh, not everything is always perfect. So, uh, Caroline, do you have a classroom confession for today?
1: I do. Uh, I was thinking about it and right at my first placement when you're sort of still on edge, everything's new. I uh, was in a classroom with a supply teacher who was a recent grad. So two very uh, young teachers and one of my students, he was always sort of, I guess, class clown for the typical uh, term. And he uh, had hit his head, someone had thrown a ball, and he had hit his head. And so, you know, you go into this immediate head injury thing, and then I looked, and he was unconscious. And so I... I was obviously super panicked, supply teacher, teacher candidate, like not an ideal scenario. (laughs) And so I go running down the hall and I get the vice principal and I was like, I told them what happened. Obviously, head injury. She comes rushing, everyone's freaking out. They phone the parents, very luckily. He lives as a neighborhood school, so the dad's in about two minute walking distance. So the dad comes running in and you know, at this point, we've like done all the checks. He's breathing, but he's still not awake. And you know, that re- we have um an ambulance coming, but the fire truck got there first. So there's two fire trucks lit up. The classroom's right at the back door. So like firefighters are coming in. This kid's unconscious. Like everyone, I'm trying to keep the rest of the students back. The bell's ringing, so everyone's trying to run everywhere. And then the dad walks in and leans down and, like, tickles the kid. And the kid wakes up. (laughs) So we are now with firefighters. And just, like, everyone is fully, like, on deck, like, ready to go. First aid, because everyone in this kid's just, like, laughing. And now we're just standing in a room with firefighters. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, that was my my first main uh, head injury, which... Uh, it turned out to be nothing. So,
0: Well, on the plus side, it wasn't just you, it was the supply teacher yeah. and the vice principal were all kind of fooled by the same trick, which is uh, it's yeah. always good to have some backup when you're being conned by a, uh, an eight-year-old. But uh, yeah, no, that's that's a good classroom confession, and uh, I hope that that student uh, doesn't fall asleep in class anymore, and uh, we can yeah. go from there. Uh before we go, do you have anything that you want to uh, say or promote before we leave you today?
1: Yeah, so I just say, again, you know, we talked a lot about indigenous education today, that um, if you go to the NCTR list and you hit on education and you hit resources, uh, there is a million and one resources there, and they're all incredible, and they're spanned from... Um, primary and junior, secondary, and then they even have a section for adult education. So if you're just a teacher and you want to educate yourself, uh there's a never ending supply of resources there. I have not even cracked the surface on them and they're all amazing. And they've all been vetted, so you know, you know, we talked a lot today about teachers making sure they do the proper right. thing. These have all been vetted. You can't go wrong with any of these.
0: Well thank you for sharing that and, and thank you for coming on today. We really appreciate it. And uh that'll do it for another episode of Popular Pedagogy. If you like what you hear. Uh, make sure that you subscribe on Apple, Google Play, or Stitcher, or you can check us out on the Faculty of Education or CFRC website at Queen's University. We'll see you next time.